Welcome to the Bridge Church podcast, to our bonus episodes as we explore deeper some questions from our sermon series on eschatology. Well, hi, my name is Andrew West. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at the Bridge Church. I am joined by the wonderful Betsy Rogers. Hello. And James Galea. Yo. Two other assistant pastors here at church. And we are going to be having a casual conversation together today exploring some of the questions that might have come up for you from our sermon series. Maybe they're questions that have come from Sunday's sermon or from Connect Group where you're thinking, gee, I wish we went deeper or gee, they didn't cover this. We're going to try and do that now in this conversation. And each episode, uh, we're going to have different guests from our pastoral team. If you have any questions that you want to send in to try and get us to answer them, send them through thebridgechurch.org.au forward slash questions, and we'll do our best to try and answer them. Well, as I was saying at the start of my sermon on Sunday, last week I was constantly distracted by someone yelling on the street at Kirribilli. They were yelling for about an hour. I walked out on their t-shirt. It said, the end is coming. Where will you spend it? Eternity is coming. Where will you spend it? And she was shouting to everyone about the end times, about Jesus' return. There were people next to me who were laughing at her. There was one man who was insulting her and hurling abuse at her. And it occurred to me, this topic of the end times, we normally think it's for the weirdos, those people who are obsessed with these kinds of things. So tell me, Betsy, James, why should we think about the end times? Why are you excited about this topic? Just to clarify, was that you, Betsy, out on the street? <laughs> yeah, that was. I was screaming. <laughs> that was you. Okay. Yes. Now I'm really looking forward to this series. I think uh, so often. I think eschatology is one of the more neglected areas of the Bible. Mm-hmm. The topics of the Bible that we sort of either get a bit weird about or we get worried about. Mm. But I think it's really exciting that it's one of the big themes in New Testament: end times, last days, and it's there. We just kind of overlook it mm. because we're just focused on this day. We've got to get through this day, and we don't think about that day when Jesus returns. So I think there's a lot that we're going to, as a church, discover about God's Word and, in light of that, live in the fact that Jesus is returning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think it's it's a series that does prompt a lot of questions. Like mm. there's a lot – we're talking about something that hasn't happened yet, and so it prompts a lot of questions. And so to be doing a series, hopefully to be able to unpack – to answer some of those things, to really kind of investigate what the Bible does say about the future. Mm. And when you know your future, it shapes the way you live in the present. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a deeply practical topic as well. And there's something so refreshing about being reminded that there is more to life than the here and now. Mm. And we all have that sense that there's got to be more. And there's something so refreshing about having our eyes lifted towards the future and the hope that we have. Well, we kicked off the series looking at the return of Jesus. And from talking to people after Sunday, it seemed like part of the reaction from people across our services was, gee, this whole return of Jesus thing actually sounds quite scary. What what do you think about that? Do you think that's a fair reaction to to be scared by what we looked at when we started the series, the return of Jesus? Yeah, I absolutely think it is a fair response. Um, And just speaking uniquely from my background of growing up as an American in the evangelical church in the 80s and 90s, I can remember as a kid seeing some pretty scary videos. Mm. The conversations about Jesus' return always often had a kind of a scary element to them. 
and being very fearful about what would happen when Jesus came back or or not wanting Jesus to come back yet because I wanted to live my life. What scary things did you say? Like what what were you Yeah, shy? so so there was this video that I can remember seeing in high school and church camp and it was a, a a guy who had become a Christian in uni and he was writing letters back to his parents and his siblings telling them about what was going to happen to them and they'd be left behind and it had like the mom imagining running into her child's bedroom and there being clothes on the floor because the rapture had happened. And um, I can remember seeing a a gospel track that had a family, outlines of a family, a four with three people going to heaven and one person being left behind. And I was probably four or five when I saw that thinking for sure that was going to be me and I was going to be left behind without my family, which is a very fear-based way of viewing Jesus' return. I just read Bananas in Pajamas. Those books, yeah. that, that was a lot more time than those books that <laughs> yes. you read. Yeah. We're going to explore that concept of left behind a little bit uh, further soon because some of our listeners may not even understand mm-hmm. that concept. Because um, I feel like in, if no nation owns doctrines or anything like that, but if a nation were to own a doctrine, it would be the USA and eschatology. Yes. Yes. And so that's often a bit, we get a bit nervous with eschatology because we don't want to be either that person on the street yelling or that certain American stereotype. Yep, absolutely. But there's good things in God's word yes. when it comes to this topic. Yeah. For me, I get worried about, I mean, I was remember we were at Cremorne Point, uh, Australia Day, having a good time in the pool, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, and everyone just sort of stopped. And there's like hundreds of people there, quiet, and then everyone was thinking, you know, maybe terrorist attack or even sort of is this the end of the world? That kind of, it had that real eeriness about it. And then it was sort of realized there was a 21-gun salute on the other side of the harbor. And so everyone was like, oh, okay, that's all right. And we went back uh, to enjoying the sun and the water. But in that moment, I feel like my natural reaction is, you know, where are my kids? Where's, where's my wife? Where you, you sort of go in this panic. And so I think we since the return of Christ, it's almost like those end-of-the-world movies where it's chaos yeah. and it's scary and it's – you know, the, you know, there's aliens or there's meteors or zombies. It sort of has those kind of uh, feelings. Right. And yet the scriptures talk about us longing for mm-hmm. Christ's return. Yeah. Because I think it's what it is, is it's not chaos. It's the return of Christ. It's personal. Yeah. Like it's the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, And so it is scary because it, it is the end of the world and, you know, scary if you're not with Christ. But if you know Christ, it's that it is that reunion. I'm returning. I'm going to see someone who loved me so much that he died on that cross. Mm-hmm. And being face to face with him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But why do we find it so hard, I think, to actually think about the return of Jesus? I mean, I think, I think it's because we're so distracted, aren't we, by the, by the here and now and by the pleasures of this life. And we have it so good. I was saying on Sunday that the quality of our life is, is better than our grandparents' generation could ever have anticipated. We, we have it made. We don't actually need to think about these kinds of questions, do we? Yeah. And I think even if we think about the fact that God is a God who gives us good gifts, that we get to experience some of his good gifts on earth in family and relationship and blessing. And so it can feel like that's that's good enough yeah. and not think about what is to come. But I mean, it is hard because it's sort of Jesus Christ will return soon and a day is like a thousand years and so sometimes, it, you know, it's like waiting in a hospital emergency room. It's like, how long is this going to take? And, <laughs> you know, it's, it, you sort of can feel a bit, 
you sort of give up or you sort of think, oh, well, it's actually not going to happen or it's like not going to happen in my generation. or And and so you kind of wrestle with that soon. And and But I think I think there's a goodness in that because it sort of makes you want to be alert, be, be aware that it could happen at any time and not it's going to happen in a certain date, so get ready in the last five minutes. But that soonness does impact our longing because, well, it'll happen one day and I guess it'll be soon, but... We kind of don't really expect it. Yeah. Well, every Christian agrees that Jesus is returning. Mm. I mean, I, y- it's in the creed. Yeah. Every Christian agrees. We're united in that. We do disagree about some of the details and the order that things might happen in. And that's okay. You know, it, this is not, you know, we can be unified together, even though we have different understandings of these things. One of the big questions is this idea of the millennium. The idea of the millennium it comes from Revelation 20, and I'll read it. This is Revelation 20. It says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So that's the text that I think gives rise to so many of the discussions about what is this thousand years? What does it mean? Uh, there are three main views. It's fair to say. I mean, there's some little subcategories under these three main views, but the three main views are pre-millennials, post-millennials, and amillennials. So why don't we kick off with pre-millennialism? Mm-hmm. Betsy? Yeah. You got a bit of an ex- a story and experience with premillennialism. I Explain do. what it is for us. Absolutely. So this would be um, kind of the doctrine I was raised under. This is probably the predominant when you think about, as James said, if the U.S. owns kind of eschatology, this is probably what you think about. It is what you think about with kind of the left behind books. So it would be the idea that um, this millennial reign of Christ has not happened yet. There will be a thousand reign of Christ But before that can happen, there's a few things that need to take place. And one of those would be the rapture of God's people, who would then, all the Christians in the world would then be caught up in the air and taken to heaven. And then... um, Which is what you were describing in those stories. That's what I was describing in in the stories of the videos I would watch as a kid um, and in high school and some of the, the books read this idea that the earth is going to get really, really bad, and then there'll be the rise of the Antichrist, which you may have heard of, and then a rapture will be ha- will happen, all the Christians will be caught up, and then there'll be seven years of tribulation in which the world gets really, really, really bad, but we won't be here. And then after those seven years, Jesus will come back, and there'll be a thousand-year reign of Christ, and we will come back with him to make a new heaven and new earth. That's what premillennials mostly believe. And where does the final judgment fit into that? Yeah, and the final judgment, there is a final judgment after the millennial After the thousand years, yeah. yeah. And there's different variations. And then that's like the new heaven and new earth gets set up. Yeah. Yeah. And there's variations in there. There's people who believe the tribulation happens mid-tribulation, or that the rapture happens mid-tribulation. There's people who believe it happens post-tribulation, but it's the idea that the thousand reigns has not happened yet, and there's a few things that have to happen on earth before that can happen. Because you were saying before that some of your friends have stories of coming home. Oh my gosh, yes. And parents aren't home and they think 
the raptures ca- happened and I missed out. Yes, every friend, me included, and every friend that I have, we'd walk into an empty house and be fearful because we maybe wouldn't be able to find our parents. My husband and I still make that joke. If I come home and he's was on a run, he'll come back and be like, don't worry, the rapture didn't happen. <laughs> you weren't left behind. Yep. See, when mom and dad went home, I just went to the cookie yeah. jar. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the freezer to get the ice cream. Yes. See, it's a very fear-based. Yeah, so that's the, that's the first view, pre-millennial pre-millennialism. The second view is post-millennialism. That's the idea that Jesus comes after the 1,000-year reign. That's when Jesus returns. Um, So there's a 1,000 years of prosperity and peace for the church on earth. Uh, It's quite a positive view where the millennial age will gradually appear as the gospel spreads across the globe um, before Jesus returns. Um, This view, I mean, it's not as popular these days that... I think we can look around and it's hard to imagine that this is millennial peak of peace and prosperity. Yeah, the idea that life and the world is getting better and better and the church is advancing and and advancing. Um, This view was quite popular actually before the 20th century. A lot of progress and technology and everything was looking great. And then world wars, world wars. And now it's pretty obvious that uh, this view doesn't hold as much weight. But I I wouldn't be surprised if it was more popular maybe – on the rise, you know, things things are getting better, things are getting better. But I think a lot of people, the younger people, you know, just the example, when Trump got in, mm. a lot of people's world came crashing down because they thought, oh, things are getting better, things are getting better, and, like, it's not. Mm. And, you know, and I think those genera- every generation has that where you think, oh, okay, maybe it's getting better, getting better, and then yeah. something happens that shakes you up. No, wait, this is not either the post-millennial view or this is not heaven. Mm. Yeah. Then we got the third view, which is amillennial. A millennialism, uh, and this is the idea that okay, there is a millennium, thousand years, but it's not literal; it's symbolic, and it actually represents the time we're in now, the era of the church. We are currently in what the Bible calls the last days, which is the time in between the first coming of Jesus when he first came to Earth as a baby, and the second coming of Jesus when he returns. The time in between is the time we're in now. That is the millennium time. And so Jesus is on the throne. He is on the throne right now. He's risen from the dead. The kingdom has come in a way. It's been inaugurated. He's ruling, he's reigning. People are coming to Christ. His spirit is with us. The gospel is advancing. So there's something optimistic there. But at the same time, it's not yet fully inaugurated. The kingdom hasn't fully come. It's the now, but not yet. Yeah. There's a lot of people that I respect that still hold to that premillennial reign. Um, view and I am not. I have shifted to more of a, a millennial um, view in the course of just kind of my study. And for me, the beauty of that one has been thinking through the idea of the the encounters we have when the, we get peaks and glimpses of the kingdom now that already not yet that you spoke to. And you know, when we say the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom come, this idea of seeing parts of the coming kingdom on earth. And seeing glimpses of it, yet knowing that we won't fully recognize it and fully see the beauty of it until Christ comes back. Yeah. And I think there is a, I want to throw in a fourth one, but it's not a real uh, perspective, but it's, it's the pan-millennialism, which is it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the gravitating which a lot of maybe Australian Christians go to where, look, you've just explained pre, post, A, and it's like, oh, it sounds a bit complex. Uh, so I don't know if I can get my head around it, so I'm just going to put my head in the sand. Uh, it'll all turn out, uh, turn out. Jesus will return. And so that's the easy way out. 
I think the reality is like we got you got to do some work in terms of this is in God's word. Right? What is it saying? Uh, because these are signs, these are realities that God has given us to wake us up to the fact that Christ is returning, what we can expect, what we shouldn't expect, and what is true. And so there is effort involved in trying to work these things out in community around God's word, and it's worth it, but it's not simple. Well, as we think about the return of Jesus, there's a lot of obsession and discussion about the signs of Jesus' return. Mm. Uh, what we should be looking for and how do we know when Jesus is about to come back. How should we think about these kinds of things? Is is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, you're going to get a few emails on that one. Uh, <laughs> I think, well, look, I'm going to say no, but with the whole, in terms, I think there's two tendencies. So some of uh, maybe in your experience, Betsy, and, and in terms of that, uh, there's a certain Christian that gets very excited, gets very fixated on trying to work out what is the signs and cross-reference them with a certain president, uh, a certain pope, uh, a certain vaccine, a certain Medicare number. You know, it's in terms of trying to work out which, it's almost like a puzzle. And some can get really excited because you sort of have put the pieces together and worked out, ah, I've worked out the signs. And the next step which is not everyone does this, but the next step is I've worked out the date. Yeah. And that can cause a whole bunch of problems. In the end, it's probably a lot of control. But the, the positive of that is that fixation is is looking for, return, like they're, they're hungry to learn God's word, but the danger is you can focus on the signs, not the signs who it's pointing to, Jesus, and you get lost in that. Uh, I knew a guy from uh, my past uh, where he, was, he got into that world. He got very obsessed, very... And uh, particularly in the last couple of years with COVID, very much got into that world. He actually had COVID, almost brought him to death. Um, he didn't die. But that experience, he came to realize, I have forgotten Jesus' mission. I've forgotten that I'm here to evangelize, not work out the signs and obsess with the conspiracy theories and that kind of thing. He had lost his way. And so God worked him in, in his situation to sort of wake him up. Um, I think the other alternative, the other is we just sort of, oh, well, we throw out the signs. Um, we get a bit scared by them. But they are there for our good. Mm. They are there to wake us up that Jesus hasn't come back. You haven't missed him. Um, this is not heaven. The best is yet to come, so to speak. And so be alert and watch. That, yeah. That's the emphasis of the scriptures, isn't it? Yeah, and that every generation has probably felt that way. We know that even in the New Testament, they were waiting for Christ to come back, knowing he was coming back soon. And if you were in Europe in the 1940s and you had lost your husband in World War I and your son in World War II, or if you were in the Cold War, you probably thought that Jesus was coming back any day now. And instead of focusing on those signs, meaning he's coming back in my generation and looking for the signs, but saying, you know what, if he's coming back and he's coming back soon, how can I help bring the kingdom of God to earth right now? How? What am I doing to, as God tarries his coming, how can I bring more people to the kingdom? How can I see justice on earth? How can I try to make the kingdom here as much as possible? I think at the end of the day, when it comes to the signs of Jesus' return, in the end, you can turn on the news and you'll see war, you will see earthquake, you will see horrible leaders, you'll see injustice again and again. And in the end, every night on those news are signs 
we want Jesus to return. And it's those beautiful words, which Jesus, it's the last words of Jesus in the Bible, which often we don't read, but it's these words, yes, I am coming soon. And I think all the signs that we experience, all the horrible things, is just that comfort of where, you know, we, we long, where are you, Jesus? And he's saying those words, I'm coming home soon. I'm coming soon. And so in light of that, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Well, one of the things we want to do uh, at the end of each of these little bonus episodes is listen to a song. Because all theology should lead us to joyful worship, shouldn't it? Uh, it's not just academic. It leads us to worship God. Uh, and so this is a song that um, uh, I'm excited to – I asked Curtis if he could grab his guitar and play it. He's walking over now from the sound desk. Um, it's a song called Soon by Brooke Lidgetwood. Um, look it up uh, on Apple Music or Spotify. Absolutely recommend it. And it's great talking about the return of Christ being soon. Take it away, Curtis. Soon and very soon, my King is coming, robed in righteousness and crowned with love. When I see Him, I shall be made like Him soon and very soon, and I will be. With the one I love, with unveiled face I'll see him. There my soul will be satisfied soon and Well, thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Bridge Church Podcast. We are going to be back for another episode next time exploring the last days and how we live as Christians in light of the last days. We're going to be joined by some other guests from our pastoral team. Reminder, if you have any questions, send them through to thebridgechurch.org.au forward slash questions. See you soon.